Dallas, so there's only three Dallas stars back as Kucherov moves in. Spins and deals. Braden Point moves in and shoots it over. The rebound score! Braden Point opens the scoring on the power play, and Tampa Bay has a one-to-nothing lead. And Sergachev has a chance to carry this out. Maroon from center. This time he was able to tip the puck in, and the change starts. He stays and knocks the puck down. Here's Pat Maroon headed for front of the net. Timer score! Blake Coleman came on for Volkov. A turnover in the neutral zone, and Tampa has a two-nothing lead. Barkley Goodrow doesn't even care about the empty net. The bubble has burst. This most remarkable, unique tournament is over. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are 2020 Stanley Cup champions. Hey, we're going home. Mitch, that's going home. Why did we get the lead? Oh hey, you know what, though? We're going home 35 pounds heavier. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome to Take to Tape, powered by Ram, back-to-back winner of Motor Trends Truck of the Year. I'm Ryan Dixon. I'm a writer for Sportsnet.ca. Joining me on the other line, we have crossed the line here, Rory. It is Sportsnet's NHL editor, Rory Boylan. What? I was going to say a two-month ride. I mean, that was just the action. There was the lead-up, the anxiety. Um, And let's not go any further without saying stick tap to everyone involved for pulling this off, but... Here we are, the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup the day before the Tampa Bay Rays kick off the MLB playoffs against the Blue Jays as pseudo-favorites to win the World Series. So, buddy, you can't say it enough in 2020. It's a topsy-turvy world we live in, but I'll tell you one just result this year. John Cooper, Victor Hedman, Steven Stamkos raising that cup. Yeah, I mean, any idea that anybody might have had about this Stanley Cup winner needing an asterisk next to them because of the unusual circumstances, I mean, it's completely wiped off when you get first two quality teams that deserve to be there in the Cup final and then a team like Tampa Bay winning it. Like, they didn't, there was no advantage for them. There was no, uh, there's no reason why they should have a negative asterisk. If if anything, I've seen a number of people write and talk about how they deserve an asterisk because this was the toughest one to get through. It's not lessening the importance or the significance of this Stanley Cup win. Um, you know, just to kind of, I know everything has been different this year and the baseball season has been shortened too, but to put it into perspective of how long they had been in that bubble for first Toronto and then Edmonton, John Cooper said it best after that win last night that they were in the bubble for the entire duration of the major league baseball regular season. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. And it's a marathon. Exactly. Well, usually. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just uh, a wild ride. I, this is what I would say about the asterisk talk. Uh, a couple things. Number one, I talked to an assistant coach before this started because I was kind of curious about, you know, how would the lack of travel play in? And and there is no doubt that to some degree, I think guys are a little fresher, would be, you know, have an opportunity sure. to eat better, rest a little more. But this guy told me to a man, players would trade that for the usual comforts of being able to see their family and everything else that goes with it that yes okay there was this sort of small advantage that um you know they weren't going to have to be flying if you get to the final i guess across country but um you know really that wasn't something that you know anyone would put their hand up and say oh that would be such a huge advantage i'd want to do it that way i definitely think you could make the argument as some people are like you said that 
you know, these circumstances were tougher to overcome given how bizarre, you know, you've got this enormous pause. Um, I think what it comes down to is if this is, if you're only going to win one Stanley Cup, well, realistically, you probably didn't want to do it in a fanless bubble. I mean, I, I think given your druthers, you would have rather won it, obviously, under the normal circumstances. So I guess in a sense, if you want to, you know, give some sort of demarcation to this and say, well, I would have preferred it be, you know, with our home fans exploding or whatever. Sure. But if you're talking about an asterisk in terms of like, well, they're not as deserving as other cup champs. Yeah. I'm with you. Get that out of here. Yeah. That, that, that talk should have been done a long time ago, uh, to be honest. I mean, sure. You don't have to deal with the travel, but how many guys and coaches have we heard talk about the the mental stress that yeah. they had in these playoffs? Which, you know, I, I'm sure that's there to, to some degree in the normal uh, in the normal season, normal situation. But it's nothing like living in isolation behind a bubble for two plus months, right? Like, it's, yeah, like you, there's no, you don't have your. There are limited activities that you and can outlets. do. A lot of people listen to this. Yeah. A lot of people listening to this can relate to having too much time to think, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I don't know how many times I really got out golfing and stuff like that. Those big expeditions that were supposed to be all part of this. I think it was just proved to be harder to pull together and organize than, than was originally thought. And so, you know, you look at some of those shots. I mean, in Toronto, they had BMO field. And then what, you know, I know that area is, there's a lot of concrete over there, a lot of asphalt in between the hotel X and, and over there um, in Edmonton. I mean, you saw that shot, they, the players would call that the prison yard where it's just <laughs> behind this fence and you got a couple of basketball nets and some, uh, some picnic tables around and Tim Horton's truck, you know, like there's just, there, there's a lot more time to think a lot less time to just escape and do something else to take your mind off of things. And, and just being holed up in a hotel for that long, one hotel for, for Dallas, two for Tampa Bay, I mean, that's just a whole other grind that uh, the teams don't normally have to deal with on this kind of a level. So, you know, you can talk about not having travel as one positive, but you got to also then consider the, the other negatives that are putting even more stress on the players and coaches. So there's a lot I want to get to here as, of course, we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning beating the Dallas Stars 2-0 to clinch a six-game Stanley Cup final win. We're also in the back half of the pod going to talk a little bit about uh, peeking forward to next week when the draft hits and free agency and trades and all kinds of crazy stuff going on, uh, we presume anyways, one of which might include... The Winnipeg Jets trading the second overall pick from 2016, Patrick Liney. We'll see, but we want to touch on that. But yes, let's dig into this. Uh, the bigger storylines, the the more granular stuff. Uh, one thing that occurred to me along the way here, and I, I think you'll be in agreement with me, is if you didn't have a dog in this fight, or I guess if you didn't have a dog directly opposing the champions I'm about to talk about, this is the third year in a row where it's a pretty satisfying result from a sort of nonpartisan perspective, right? You had Ovi and the Caps. Ovi gets his cup, beating the upstart Vegas Golden Knights. Great story, but how many people were, you know, considering Vegas the sentimental favorite in 2018? Last year, you had a second-tier classic franchise in the Blues that had never won, been competitive for a long time, winning a seven-gamer. And now you've got, you know, we can 
say it without any reservation now, the model franchise for the NHL that, you know, just had, would find ways to shoot itself in the foot, would have the worst luck. I mean, obviously, uh, Steven Stamkos is somewhat um, sadly representative of what has happened to his franchise in terms of just the bad luck he's run into. Sometimes it was just pure bad luck Tampa would bump up against in its pursuit now being an excellent team for five years they finally get over the hump but that was my thought was this is the third year in a row where if if you weren't cheering for Vegas or the Bruins or the Dallas Stars you were going you know what this is a nice result yeah if you're cheering for good stories it doesn't really get much better than this like these players really earned it like they went through a lot a lot of downs (laughs) to finally get this far you know not least of which was last year's sweep by Columbus um, you know, you had points where it maybe could have fallen apart. Like Steven Stamkos could have left as a free agent a few years ago. And if he leaves as a free agent, remember, I think it was shortly after he re-signed in Tampa Bay, Victor Hedman yeah. re-upped as well. So if Stamkos leaves, you know, there are legitimate questions on what that would mean for Hedman's future, if he would consider the same thing or not. And, you know, if a GM overreacts to the four-game sweep last year, you don't have the same team. Um, if you don't try and nibble around the edges and add, you know, the little bits of scoring and sandpaper that this team maybe needed, then maybe you don't get here. So um, as a team, definitely a great story that they can finally get over that hump when the second Stanley Cup in franchise history, you have to go all the way back for those Vanilla Cavalier, Brad Richards teams for the last time, uh, finally winning from when they made it back to the Stanley Cup there in 2015, it really looked like, okay, they're going to be here to stay now, and they might win a few. It took a while, but now we might be looking at the same, okay, well, they might win a few now. Um, and then just an, from an individual perspective too, I mean, you touched on Stamkos. I mean, he had to miss an Olympics because of an injury. He's had a, a number of seasons interrupted by injury. And then this Stanley Cup run where he's living in the bubble for two months and is only able to play two minutes and 47 seconds of hockey, scoring a big goal for the team and getting them getting them going. He was part of the uh, celebrations when they won the Eastern Conference title. And then he was on the ice, of course, lifting the Stanley Cup, getting it from Gary Bettman in a unique handoff this year. Um, so on a, on a personal level for him, that's a great story. But then you've got all these great players that Tampa has that were mid or late round draft picks or not drafted at all. Tyler Johnson, um, that get to win their Stanley cup too. And these guys who, who, you know, at the start of their NHL careers, just before then lots of people had written off and didn't expect them to be NHL players at all. And now they're big players on the best team going in the NHL. So no matter how you cut it, um, I mean, John Cooper, again, another win first Stanley cup, but another, championship as a head coach i mean there's just great stories as a team and individually throughout this lineup so i don't i don't you couldn't have asked for much better but now the question is i guess who's that next team who's who's the next team that if they won next year would be that great story and maybe we need to see what happens over this next week in terms of player movement because <laughs> there, yeah. there might be a lot of that right and then we end up with a lot more uh, oh, different storylines for next year. Oh, isn't it obvious? It's the original six team that hasn't won the cup in yeah. over 50 years. I'm sure everyone <laughs> is uh, just pulling so hard for the Toronto Maple Leafs to be the next uh, everyone can celebrate team, right? Sure, but I don't know if anybody <laughs> outside of Toronto would agree yeah. with that. Yeah, know. did you catch my tongue in cheek there? <laughs> I don't know if any Canadian team would really qualify for that. True. <laughs> or not, it'd be hard to say. But maybe uh, Winnipeg, maybe Winnipeg. 
All right. Um, yeah, may, you know what? That's it's funny. They're located right in the middle, and it's the one everyone can come together on. We're They're gonna, new. Yeah, we're, we're gonna had talk about them. To burn everybody. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let, we're gonna jump around here because my mind's all over the place and our brains are fried after uh, this uh, long journey. I don't know if I'm phrasing this. You know what? Let me back up. Uh, I we'll start by praising, of course, the Dallas Stars for. Uh, being such a resilient crew. I mean, they were decimated by injuries uh, by the end of it. And, and even if they weren't, we're probably going to be a little overmatched. Full marks to the stars for getting here. Um, there's a lot to like. I mean, obviously, starting with, if you're looking toward the future, Haskinen on the back end. Um, the, the team is uh, has some, some real good young talent uh, already coming to the fore. Mm-hmm. But I do look at that top line of Ben, Sagan, and Radulov. And obviously, specifically Ben and Sagan, they're on big, big deals. And I don't want to ask, is Dallas in trouble here? But do you see uh, their path being a little rocky as they tried to get back here just because they clearly need more to that group? I mean, Sagan, I think, ended up going... 20 of 22 games where he didn't score a goal. This wasn't a new thing. That was an issue all year for them. I mean, there's part of me that's inclined to say, you know, this is going to be uh, a very competitive team again, and, and I expect they will. But I just, I look at that and I, I do think they have some tough questions to, to answer with these guys who are either over 30 already or almost there. Yeah, I mean, I think they could be a, a really good team again next year and maybe challenge for the Stanley Cup. Whenever you have that defensive um, base, I guess, and everybody's buying into it, I think you're already in a pretty good situation. And you look at a team like the New York Islanders as proof that, okay, you don't need superstars scoring a ton of goals to go a certain distance in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So that gets Dallas to a certain... like Like, if they get to the second round, third round next year... I could kind of see that for sure. They're, they're that good. Um, but to win the Stanley cup, th- this kind of feels to me like it maybe was their best shot, which is crazy to say because they were so banged up and they did it without their number one goalie. Um, but I think at the end, it really showed that you just, you need to find some offense from your top guys to win it, to, yeah. to get over that hump. Yeah. You can get a certain distance without it, but to really beat the best team that you're going to play in that final, you're going to need to find some goals. And it was just absent from this team. Now let's think about this for a second. There could be a way that they do find that offense. Tyler Sagan, it sounded like was playing through just a ton of injuries. So, and we don't really know yet if Jamie Ben, we don't know the full injury picture. So, you know, it was where it was Radulov dealing with something too. As that stuff comes to light, maybe then there's more of a, uh, okay, if they were a little yep. bit more healthy, then maybe they could have given the stars a little bit more at the end there. We don't know the doubt, the, the Tampa Bay lightning injury picture either, other than Stamkos. Um, but so that's a little bit of a wild card that maybe there was more that they just, they were out of gas and they were too banged up, too injured. And it was just, they, they couldn't overcome that anymore. On the other side of it, I mean, they weren't scoring all year, right? They were yeah. like 27th in the league in goals. So there's no real reason to think that if they were just a little bit healthier, then they could have blown Tampa Bay out. I, I just, they're going to get older too. Like I, I have, I would have a hard time betting against this team next year, knowing that there's that potential, knowing that you have guys like Joe Pavelski who are just playoff players. Oh, right. Man. And they'll, they'll, they'll find a way. Um, if you come back next year and Ben Bishop can be your starter through the entire playoffs, you know, that's another wild card that can maybe carry you 
through a little bit further. Um, it's just, it's, it's going to get harder for them. Like, I kind of feel like this was their best chance where everything was, everything was clicking for them, even in face of all these injuries. Um, but some of the best years of these guys are, are probably past you now. Jamie Ben won that Art Ross a few years ago. I don't think he's going to sniff that ever again. No. Um, and you know, when, and if, if Sagan can't get up to that level and you're paying these guys combined, what over $20 million under a flat cap, like there's, you can't spend that much money on a core of guys that aren't providing you with enough offense and expect to win the Stanley cup. So, you know, maybe you can get more from guys like Dennis Giranov, who by the way is an RFA and maybe there's a little bit more help coming in. And certainly Miro Heiskanen is worth getting excited about. There's, there's, it's not well. like they're going to fall into the tank. Right. Yeah. But it, it, it's, I think this was their best chance. I really do. And I think that's also why you could see some of that pain in Jamie Ben's face um, in his post game comments. Like he couldn't answer some of those questions. He was so beaten up. And I think they have to recognize that this, this was the chance that they had and man, oh man, was it ever tough. And that Western conference is only going to get tougher with Colorado yeah. probably going all in on a lot. Edmonton seems to be a team on the rise um, you know, who knows? St. Louis might come back uh, strong next year. Winnipeg might come back a lot stronger next year. It's just going to get harder. And if you're a team that is kind of at its peak and the trend next is to go more likely to go down than further up, I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be hard to pick them again. So people like me, and there's a few of them, in the media, our wheels are always turning and we're uh, thinking about, all right, if the Lightning have to shed salary, what are they going to do? And Alex Kalorn's name comes up and Tyler Johnson's name comes up. Uh, Vasilevsky's in line for a big bump. Sergachev needs a new contract. Sorelli needs a new contract. So, of course, as they, I don't want to say rampage through these playoffs, but, you know, demonstrate how good they can be without Steven Stamkos. Some of us start stroking our chin, including myself. and like, well... Well, you know, if ever there was a chance to clear 8.5, they are so strong down the middle. Could they ever? I was thinking that way a couple of weeks ago. And then today I woke up and realized, you know what? They're trying to win as many cups as possible right now. Yeah. You got Braden Point for two more years at 6.75 and Stamco's at 8.5. Basically, you know, for the cost of Connor McDavid and change, you can have Stamco's and Point for the next two years, keep this guy, watch his luck turn for the better and see if you can win one or two more while points still on this bridge deal. Yeah. And even Nikita Kucherov at nine, five, like he's making less than Toronto's big guys. He's making yeah. less than Montreal's goalie is making. Um, Victor Hedman at seven, eight, seven, oh, five is just like in the conversation so many. for best bargain going. Absolutely. There's so many of those kinds of contracts on this team that, yeah, they have a, tough situation under that cap with those two RFAs, Sergachev and Sorelli, and the chance that you get an offer sheet thrown at one of those guys. But the answer around that isn't to trade one of those, those big players away. That's your core. They're all on fantastic deals. Um, it's tricky because there's a lot of no move and no trade clauses on this team. Kucherov, Stamkos, both have no move clauses. Palat, Gord, Johnson, no trade clauses. And this is why Killorn is maybe the most likely trade candidate is because his trade, no trade clause is modified where you can only select a certain amount of team. I don't remember the number off the top of my head uh, of teams that he won't accept a trade to. So you've probably got at least half the league there that you can canvas to try and find him. And he's a useful player. 
making $4.45 million. It's just a question of, you know, does anybody want to make that trade knowing that you're helping the Tampa Bay Lightning out of a, a, a bit of a bind? Now, outside of that, it really is tough because everybody else is on pretty cheap contracts. You're getting down to Blake Coleman at 1.8, Cedric Paquette, 1.6 or something like that, a little under it. Um, after Victor Hedman on the defense, you got Ryan McDonough locked in 6.75 for the long term. And then it's 1.7 for Braden Coburn and a bunch of RFAs and UFAs. So it's not there's not a lot of obvious contracts that they can move out that would give them enough room. Killorns is the one that is just clearly, I, I would think he has to go. The only other big ticket forward that doesn't have any trade protection is Braden Point. And you're definitely not trading Braden Point. So I, I, I don't. I, I've looked at this so many times. I don't know what the path is forward for them if they're going to also keep both Sorelli and Sergachev. Other than I will say it's most likely that Sergachev, who is coming out of his entry-level contract, is going to get a bridge deal that is not going to come with yeah. big, like young defensemen. That's generally how it happens with them coming out of entry levels. Their second contracts aren't huge and they're bridges. So that is going to help manage this a little bit more. And And you never know, like, we saw last offseason Kevin LeBanc in San Jose, who everybody thought was going to get a pretty significant contract after a big season. But San Jose was facing a cap crunch. So they signed him to a one-year deal with little money. Is anybody willing to do something like that for these Tampa Bay Lightning to stay there? And does Sorelli consider a bridge instead of a longer-term contract at this point? And those are the kind of wild cards that maybe solve this problem for them. It doesn't mean that they can't that they that they're not going to be forced into making trades they are uh, it's just a matter of how big this problem is it might be it might be a tad overblown if those guys are willing to take a little bit less over the short term understanding the whole environment of of being a free agent right now but that remains to be seen there, there are still going to be tough calls i just don't think it's going to be any of those top guys it's going to be around the edges for sure so we're sitting here as two guys who picked the Lightning to win the Stanley Cup. Did you have Hedman as a con Smythe when we did our picks on .ca? Um, I actually don't remember who I had as my con Smythe pick, but I, I, I wouldn't have picked him after game six. Point oh, really? Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know we, we were going to go here. You, Point's your guy? Point was my guy. I, he was absolutely phenomenal for them. They, they didn't lose the game that he scored in. And when <laughs> he was out of the lineup, they were losing. So, you know, I just... Fair. Um, and he played, you know, I know Victor Hedman played monster minutes and it's not that he wasn't deserving or anything like that. He probably would have been number two on a ballot for me, which is, I mean, Nikita Kucherov sets a new assist record for a winger in the playoffs and he's third that like there was no easy pick. Start to um, figure out how they won the cup. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but for me, point was just, he, he stood out a little bit more as the difference maker in record and what you could see the difference with him on and off the ice. So it, it, it wouldn't, it would have been narrow, but. I would pick point, and I was mildly surprised it did go Hedman's way. So it's funny. I was going to say, sitting here as two guys who picked Tampa, I did have Hedman as my Conn Smythe winner in our picks, and you feel like you can't even really pat yourself on the back. Usually you'd be throwing yourself a parade if you pick the Cup winner, but with this team, you know, I was joking about it for years, but you just you felt like it had to happen at some point, right? And if it didn't yeah. happen this year, I would have picked them next year, right? Yeah. Um, and that's why I do say, I mean, you, you heard John Cooper off the top of the pod talking about, you know, leaving 35 pounds heavier. Like, I just think about everything these guys have been through. And, I mean, it was just 
more so they stood out to me like let's go back to the caps example again it felt like they had missed their opportunity you know there are other teams out there even san jose when they got there in 2016 where you would have still been surprised to say wow they they actually did it and of course in the sharks case they didn't whereas with tampa even when they were getting swept last year it just never shook your belief really that it was there. They just had to tweak, figure some things out, or even just get some luck. Yeah, I mean, something just went wrong for them last year. Remember, they were even, I think it was a 3 nothing lead in the first period of game one. Against it was. Columbus if they got one year. more goal, I think they probably win that series, right? Exactly. And and from that moment on, when they blew that lead, it was just they, they weren't the Tampa Bay Lightning for the rest of that series. Something had gotten into their head. Something had clicked off. And... So when you're talking about next year's projections, I don't think you're going to project that that's going to affect them for an 82 game season and another playoff. You're just looking at this factually and saying, well, damn, like this team is still loaded They They remind you so much of the, the Capitals team and the San Jose Sharks team. San Jose didn't win it, but they got to the cup final that eventually they're just going to get over this hump. And then when you have the added benefit of all these great players on relatively value contracts, it's going to give you so much leeway to, add around them the pieces that you exactly need it was just a matter of time and and none of these guys I mean you talk about Dallas and all those guys that are over 30 like there's not a lot of aged players on this team Hedman's still 29 Stamkos is 30 and he's one of the older forwards that they've got there's still a lot of guys here are in their mid or early 20s so you're, they're just gonna those guys are just gonna get better for a couple more years still so there might even be there might even be better days ahead for this team for crying out loud. That's, that's crazy to say, but um, now that's why you could feel comfortable saying, well, I wouldn't be shocked if they won another two Stanley cups in, or so in the next four or five years. However, this is going to go, it's going to be hard to do those all in a row, but um, there's just, it, it's all just so neatly packed together and so full of skill that there was never any reason to completely give up on these, on this team. And all the reason in the world to just say, I'm just going to keep picking Tampa Bay every yeah. year until finally they're at least going to make the Stanley Cup final. And I'll, and I'll look somewhat good at that point. <laughs> but but the odds are that this team is just, they're, they're, even, they're even more loaded in talent, I think, than a lot of those Washington and San Jose teams up and down the lineup yeah. with all the value that they have on that team. Um, that eventually, you just felt so good that they were going to win the Stanley Cup at one point. All right, well, Tampa finally wins it. It's time to turn the page. When we come back, we will look ahead to what should, in a very short order, become a very interesting offseason. Uh, Patrick Line, his name seems to be floating around out there. We're going to talk about whether that is a real possibility on the other side of the break on Tape to Tape. Hey, welcome back to Tape to Tape. All right, Rory, before we move on and start talking about off-season stuff, I just want to ask you, when you look back at the two-month bubble, what will you take with you, either professionally from, uh, you know, what your job demands were, uh, personally watching uh, summer hockey and a Stanley Cup unlike any other, when you look back at this 2020 playoffs that we're never going to forget, what do you think might stick with you? 
Well, I mean, first of all, you're just never going to forget any of this, right? Um, for what happened just in the NHL circle, but also what happened around it before we got back. Like this is, this is going to be the most unforgettable season of all. Um, I don't know. Like there's a lot of takeaways from this. Like there was some, there was some wonder, I guess, at the start of this when, you know, guys were going to be playing in empty stadiums, what effect that might have on them. And would it be the same kind of intensity and all that stuff? And, after the round robin games got through, we, I mean, it didn't take long for those teams to pick yeah. up the intensity. So it really kind of nails home the professionalism, I think, of the players that they're, I mean, I think they would all prefer to have the fans there, but it's not something that is driving them. It's not something that is, is necessary for top notch hockey. Um, you know, it's the spirit of competition, man. It, like exactly. ev everyone who's played in a beer league game in front of absolutely no one knows you still feel like your life is on the line. So imagine what it's like playing for the cup. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, um, from, from a league side of things, um, you know, Gary Bettman and the league take a lot of flack sometimes deservedly. So for things that go a little off course, certainly the, the, the work stoppages that we've had in the past and all that stuff. Um, no Olympic participation, but the, the way that they were able to organize this and it was crazy at the start, um, getting everything put together um, and working with the PA, right? That was one of the first things that we're like, whoa, this feels different. This spirit of cooperation, working with the PA, working with the broadcasters, with, with the media, like getting all of this kind of organized to work well enough for everybody and then have it finish um without one single positive test i mean we're here recording this on tuesday morning and there's there's a chance that an nfl game or two is not going to be played this sunday because of some positive covid tests you had positive tests in major league baseball that oh yeah seasons into flux. wiped out weeks weeks so that we're that we're now at the end of this and we didn't ha not have one positive test in the toronto edmonton bubble is is just an enormous achievement that everybody deserves a pat on the back for and then Professionally, for me, I mean, this was definitely the most challenging year um, by far. In I've been doing this for 14 years now, I guess. Easily the most challenging. But, um, you know, our team of writers who are covering both events, um, both bubbles from the outside, just did an absolutely phenomenal job. I know it was a grind for everybody in dealing with, uh, you know, the Zoom calls, you don't get the same no answers. You don't get the same follow-ups. No, follow -ups. no, no yeah, follow-ups. It's, it's really tough. So it's harder to do what needs to be done under those circumstances. So, you know, a shout out to all the sportsnet.ca writers, Ryan, yourself too, stepped up and did some pregame covers there for us. Um, and all the guys who were doing it from the start of this thing right through the end. I mean, just a, a phenomenal job by everybody. It was, it was a slog. And I think... It's sad that it's over, but it's also kind of a relief that it's over yeah. for us, for the NHL, for literally everybody involved, that we managed to get through this thing and finish the season almost a year after the season actually started that we Yes. And just, it was tough, but I think everybody everywhere did a, an amazing job. And, and that's what's unforgettable about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll extend the stick tabs industry-wide. So many people on Twitter last night, you saw them posting selfies saying, you know, day 65 for me covering this how, however many games in that amount of time um just amazing dedication by people across this industry so props to 
all the men and women out there who uh, logged so much time under these bizarre circumstances. All right, we do have a little more excitement to go here before we uh, truly enter the offseason, which we'll see how that goes. Um, so the draft goes next, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> next Tuesday, next Tuesday, Wednesday, and then free agency quickly to follow on the, is it the 9th? I want to say the ninth it opens. The Friday, yep. The Friday. So it should be an interesting Thanksgiving uh, weekend in Canada. Uh, you have written about some trade candidates, which we're going to hear more and more about now that the cup has been yeah. handed out. Patrick Line just seems like it's one of those things where, you know, maybe there were not even whispers before, but people scratching their head, looking at Winnipeg's situation, thinking, you know, he was an RFA last year and a bit of a tough negotiation. They have a lot of skill up front. By the same token, who would ever want to get rid of a guy with that much talent, only 22 years old? But there are some blatant needs on this team. The defense took a hit. There's help coming in Sandberg and Vili Hanola, and Neil Pionk was great for them. But I think it's safe to say they'd still like to beef up on the back end. And the number two center hole has been one where they've had to trade for Kevin Hayes. They've had to trade for Paul Stastny. I think a lot of what's driving this is the idea that if they can solve one and a half problems by moving line a given they would still have Blake Wheeler and Nick Ehlers and and Kyle Connor on the flanks is that something that just starts to make too much sense what's your take on whether this is something we could actually see in the next seven to ten days well I I would say if if it if there was no chance of this happening, you wouldn't have the little squabbles that I think the two sides have had. You mentioned the tough contract negotiation, which ended in a bridge deal. I think if there was no problem with keeping him around for a while, you would have just signed him to the long-term contract. You didn't know the cap was going to stay flat at that point. It wouldn't like no one's having problems re-signing their top three high-performing draft picks, right? It's just, it's just automatic business. So that's step number one. And then two is, you know, Line A clearly wants to permanently play on the top line with Mark Shifley, and the Jets are just not willing to commit to that fully. And again, like if you're completely fine and comfortable keeping this guy for the long term, I think that's just something that you make happen, right? You, you keep him happy, you put your best forwards together, and, and it just kind of clicks. But these things have been following Line A and the Jets now for a couple of years, and Usually where there's smoke, there's fire. So now you're looking at a situation where, yeah, you absolutely have to upgrade that that decor. There's no telling. Maybe even is doubtful that Brian Little ever plays again. So, you know, at least they were able to patch that 2C hole for the regular season up until the trade deadline with him. That's probably not an option anymore. So you've got things that you need need to take care of now. Ehlers is signed for the long term. That was the other guy who was kind of mentioning these trade rumors. It was maybe it's Nikolai Ehlers. And he's probably been in these trade rumors a little longer than Line. I think you can go back two years of, of Ehlers rumors when he wasn't performing, especially in the playoffs. But he's signed long term and he's making $6 million. You can commit to that. You know, like that's cost certainty. That's not going to spike to $9 million, which Line A very well could after another great season. So you've got that cost certainty down. But Line, again, he's one year away from being an RFA. Um, at that point, he'll be two years away from being UFA eligible. So that is going to complicate the negotiations so much more. It's not just going to be another two-year deal. You're going to have to factor in some UFA uh, years into that, which ups the, ups the cost. So if you're not fully committed for that yet, and you want cost certainty, and you want a clear path forward, which Kevin Chevaldeoff 
in the past, that's he's signaled that that's what his preferred way of doing business is. Line A is the guy who becomes the the trade candidate. You're not. It's not going to be Wheeler. It's not going to be Kyle Connor. I don't think who does play no. in that top line. It's certainly not going to be Shifley. And Ehlers is the one who's locked in. So you're just left here with. It's got to be Line A. Line A's got to be the guy. And as much as I would hate to do that, I would I would shy away from entertaining that unless you get an offer that completely blows the doors off you. Because usually when these star players get traded, you look at it and say. Well, I never could have predicted that because I would have valued him a heck of a lot more than that. It's hard to get full value back. So it's a very difficult trade to do. But you're at a crossroads now where you're facing a situation of having to give him a big contract or trying to fill the obvious holes that you have at 2C or on the blue line. And he's the one who is going to be able to at least help you fill some of those holes. So it's just logically when you're when you're taking away what they wouldn't do, that's all you're left with is Patrick Laine as, as someone that they might entertain paying a trade on well stay tuned folks because as you know rory there's the moves that happen that we kind of sniff coming and then there's the ones that happen completely out of the blue and yeah. my guess is we're gonna get maybe even multiple ones of those uh of that nature as teams try to wrestle with this flat cap and and lost revenues and um and it's you know it is a parity field league there's going to be teams out there that you know what? They think they can make the jump next year and they're going to go make a strong move. So there should be uh, lots of action to sustain us for the next little while. Speaking of which, make sure you check back with Tape to Tape. Our plan is to jump in and do uh, a draft preview, maybe even later on this week. So we'll have you covered there ahead of the 2020 draft that will finally happen. Alexi Lafreniere will uh, presumably finally get to hear his name called first overall. And then after the dust settles, the trades we anticipate at the draft and a few days of free agency, we'll jump back after the Thanksgiving weekend and pick everything apart. All right. Deep breath. We made it, man. Um, thanks. <laughs> Exhale a little. Didn't think uh, we would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a wild ride. Good on you, pal, for all your hard work along the way. Thanks so much to you as always for co-hosting this baby with me. Thanks to our producers, Mike DeSoni and Michael Mares. Again, thanks to everyone out there for their hard work in making bubble hockey work. Check back next week for more Glass Rail and Hockey action on Tape to Tape.